This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry, with your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day, and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is episode number 504, and we look forward to talking with Joe Ledbetter and Andy McCabe of the Restoration Rebels. Please check out our Facebook and YouTube pages. Leave a comment, like, or subscribe. You can also sign up for the weekly show announcement at iaqradio.com and download podcasts through Podbean or iTunes. We also have continuing education credits available. Send me an email at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. Let's thank our marquee sponsors. IAQ Radio marquee sponsors are John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at healthyindoors.com. Particles Plus, engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. I want to mention our newest sponsors, the Restoration Industry Association, the granddaddy of the restoration industry, Network with Leaders. Learn more at restorationindustry.org and AEML Laboratories. Free FedEx shipping, great pricing, same-day results, and never a rush fee. Learn more at aemlinc.com. Let's turn it over to the And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio trivia question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to czlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man with this week's IAQ Radio trivia question. Hello, everyone. I'm sorry to report there was no correct answer to our last trivia question. It was a tough one. On a set of electrical plans, what does the triangle represent? The answer we were looking for was the telephone. The IQ Radio trivia question for today, Friday, May 18, 2018, has been sponsored by Ideas, the solution chemistry company, creating unique solutions to odor removal, surface cleaning, and decontamination problems. Here is today's trivia question. Name the philosopher, author, and journalist who said, I rebel, therefore I exist. Back to you, Joe. Okay, today we've got Andy McCabe, a longtime restoration professional out of Bend, Oregon. He has a book on mitigation called The 24-Hour Tech. He's got an online training course uh, by the same name. He runs a podcast called The Claim Clinic, and he's the president of the Alliance of Independent Restorers. He also is uh, one of the founders of the Restoration Rebels, long history in the uh, in the, in the restoration industry. Can you put his... Uh, bio up there for me there joe thank you and we have got joe joe uh joe, joe ledbetter cliff you want to introduce joe sure joe ledbetter is the owner and senior business consultant for disaster co <coughs> excuse me dot com previously clean source consulting of warren michigan he's also president and founder of manly construction in warren michigan prior to founding his current companies he was the co-founder president of the cleaning connection of warren michigan and the director of business development of the dry tech group in ottawa canada 
2016, GO surpassed 1 billion square feet of mitigation to commercial buildings and thousands of residential losses, ranging in size from $5,000 to $200,000. He's also one of the Restoration Rebel leaders, and his role is to help build and grow the group through sharing his knowledge and experience and helping develop the management and revenue opportunities for the group. Go ahead, Cliff. Why don't you get this started? Wow. Okay, cool. Cool beans. Okay. Well, I guess the question goes out to both of you. Uh, why did you form the group? Uh, first, first off, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I've I've done a podcast before, and and the fact that you guys are doing this live uh, is is incredible. <laughs> and <laughs> and I've listened to you guys' show before, and I just um, just it's it's an honor to be on. So, why did we start it? Why did, why did I start it? Well, uh, I started it because I was asked to. People were calling me and emailing me, hey, I've watched your YouTube videos or I've listened to your podcast. I like what you're saying, but what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? And so April last year, I decided to do something about it. Let's, let's form a group. Let's get together. Let's start talking about these pain points that we all share uh, and see if we can't come up with some solutions. Cool. Andy. Joe, do you want to add anything? Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, ultimately, uh, this Andy started this with a video. Like one day, out of nowhere, here's this video of this guy in our industry and speaking to the heart of everyone in the entire industry. And like overnight, like within a, a couple of weeks, everyone in the industry had heard about this video. And, and the truth behind it is what allowed everybody to connect. Mm. You know, Andy, you, we didn't go through your full bio, and I want to put it back up on here for the, the listeners because I think it goes a little to the heart of, of you know, why you started this group. Mm. Uh, you had worked with uh, Murray Dow Sr. He was the founder and original member and past president of both the NIRC and ASCR. Yeah. And you worked your way up, and during that time – you saw two employers. If I remember correctly. Cliff could correct me. And the rise of the TPAs. Tell us, tell us a little bit more about the video and what you know. What what caused you to put it up? Well, uh, Dow Columbia was. You know, I think they were one of the OG restorers, right? They started in, in 1945 or 1950 or something like that. Uh, the classic story of a carpet cleaner being asked to come do restoration work because. That's what. That's where we all started. They were all carpet cleaners before they were restorers. Insurance companies said, "Well, these guys are already here doing this work. Let's let's use them. Let's partner with them." And and it was good. It was good for a long time. Uh, what we've seen since the late '90s and early 2000s is an incredible push to 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 squeeze margins and increase the administrative burden on these contractors that perform this work. And it got to the point where I knew the right thing to do, but I wasn't always able to do it because I had to split my loyalties. And splitting my loyalties between my boss, my the adjuster, and my client uh, was destroying me, just destroying me inside. And it's destroying our industry. So that's where it all came from is, I know the right thing to do. I was sucking water and, and poop out of people's crawl spaces and, and doing all that uh, because 
Reed and, and Murray and Darren Dow believe that that's where you needed to learn. Before I could estimate damages in, in Xactimate, I needed to learn how to, how to do the do. And, and coming up from that background just gave me a strong just feeling of, of loyalty to the entire industry. Of We, we get out of, bed of, out of bed in the middle of the night and, and, and do things that no one else is willing to do because it's the right thing to do. And we like coming to the rescue. And what we've seen over the last 15, 20 years is, is a degradation of, of our honor as an industry uh, at, the, at the behest of someone who just wants to save a buck at the end of the day. Cliff, let me turn it back to you. I, want to yeah, you know, I think that, you know, I remember starting when I first started teaching classes on fire restoration back in 81. And I remember opening every course that I ever did with the statement that the insurance adjuster is never your friend. And, uh, you know, he is your opponent. And, you know, the bottom line is it, it's a game, it's a competition, you know, between us and them. And I think that in many situations, you know, people just, just haven't gotten it. But I, I think a lot of what we did was really self-destruction. Uh, personally, I, I think we had, we played a major part in it. And we'll probably get into that as, as we kind of go forward. Well, in terms of the group, how do you describe it? I mean, is it a social group? Is it a political action group? Uh, what is it? And then the follow-up question is, how is it what you say right. like this? Yeah, I think Joe, uh, Mr. Ledbetter, yeah. let's, let's let you take that one. Yeah, so um, it's a group, right? It's, uh, it's something that's never been created before. It's nothing like any other group or organization or entity. It doesn't, nothing like what we have exists anywhere on any of the current platforms, um, only because of its organic creation. Like people are a member, people are there and engaged every day because of the knowledge and benefit that they're getting to grow their business um, in all facets of their business. It's very, very unique. Um, and you got to remember, this started with a video and became a Facebook group, then became a, a movement, and now it's moving forward to the next phase. And, and we as the leaders, uh, we don't necessarily know the exact direction uh, definitively. Uh, we're mapping that out right now, right? Because nothing like this has ever been created before. And we realize that we have a group of people that genuinely are have the right intent, and they want to do better, and they want to make a change. So we're trying to help control and organize that energy to make a serious change in the industry, like from a practice standpoint, like what are your protocols? What paperwork should you submit to the carriers? You know, how should you work with carriers? Um, you know, uh, understanding all the different things within your business. And it's, it's really hard to put a label on it, Cliff. I, it's, we struggle every day as leaders to put a label on what this is because it's so organic and it's moving so quickly. Um, and it's moving in a direction that's going to make wave of change. Um, you know, you know I, a couple of things that you said, I'm not sure that I totally agree. Okay. Uh, you know, what you said is, that, is this is the first time that people, you know, have, have come together. You know, it would seem to me that, you know, back in the 1940s when the National Institute of Rug Cleaners uh, was found, people, you know, came together. It was people, you know, they had a common problem, they had a common purpose. And I think that this is just a, a, another situation when people are, are, are coming together. And um, I think the way that you're doing it is, 
you know, slightly different because of the technology and this opportunity that, you know, people end to be, end up being uh, obsessed with Facebook. And I have to admit, I just joined recently uh, and I'm sorry, no one, I never saw the video. And, and that's one of the things that I plan to, to go back and see, but I've seen your video that, or I, I've seen interviews with you and your vehicle. I've seen interviews with Andy in his vehicle and, you know, read some of the input and, 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 and so on and so forth. One of the questions that I have for you is you have, you know, 2,400 members, 2,500 uh, approximately. The, the question that I have is who is the group for? Are the majority of your members, would, would you say that they're independents or would you say that the majority of the members are, you know, franchisees, where do they fall? Uh, they fall on both sides. And, and I like the, the concept of independent mindset versus uh, independent uh, business model because you can, you can define your own destiny and make your own business model inside of somebody else's business model, inside the franchise model. You can still be independent. So we've got franchise players uh, franchise owners, franchisees in the group from all, all different sides, all different colors. Um, but who the, the group is for anyone who, who wants to really understand that they're not alone, that they're not in this fight. They are not the only contractor that charges for these things, you know, right? They're not, they're not the only one that does this in their market. The reality is we we all needed a place to come together and realize we're not, we weren't crazy. We, we see it too. Uh, so it's, it's for, it's for folks that, that want to see a brighter future and, and come together and build something uh, that they couldn't do on their own. And Cliff, you're right there. This is not the first time people have come together. This is just the first time people have come together with this speed and this technology. Um, so yeah, I wasn't there when when those previous organizations were being built i wasn't born uh but i would i i'm guessing that there was a the same uh entrepreneurial and and rebellious if you will spirit of you know this is ours we're going to come together because we want it to be ours and we want to define what this looks like moving forward and that's that's really what it's about you know, the, the, the one comment that I would like to make, you know, historically, you know, I remember going back into the 70s and one of the big issues at that particular point was, could you use the word steam in terms of carpet cleaning? Could you say steam? And at that time, there were the foam guys, the DuraClean folks, and they kind of fought. And there was a big battle as to whether or not you're allowed to use the word steam in the yellow pages and so on. And, so <laughs> and this, this big fight over the word steam literally brought the industry together. Wow. And, and it, it really was one of the things that propelled Bain clean because he got together and he formed something called the steam carpet cleaners of America and so on and so forth. It was this, you know, founding issue that, that brought people together. And, you know, one of the questions and one of the things really for you guys to think about, is once the problem gets solved, you know, organically, uh, by legislation, through regulation, through submission, through whatever, once the problem is solved, what's going to keep the group together at, at that particular point? Because it seems that historically, throughout the industry, people have gotten together for some specific reason, for some period of time, and, and once the issue gets resolved, they tend to disperse and, and then move on. 
So history will will tell whether or not you're going to be able to keep this group together. Sure. And, and maybe, maybe it doesn't need to stay together. We've got missions. We've got a mission statement and, and one, when contractors can, can determine their own destiny and, and live, live their free lives. Um, I don't have our mission statement in front of me, but it, I've got it's it. about, um, one, once, once we can be happy about the industry we live in and be proud and wake up in the morning and, and go to work and do good work and get paid the right amount of money, uh, commensurate with the work that we're doing, maybe we don't need to exist anymore. Or maybe yeah. there'll be another problem after that 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 we need to that we need to jump on. And and if Cliff, if I can just add to that, right? So, um, besides the, the the challenges that we're trying to help guys work with on a daily basis, at the end of the day, that's just one piece of the conversation that's being had every day in our group, right? So there's other conversations like what marketing works for you. Uh, what meters are you preferring? What kind of dehues do you like, right? The, the other questions that guys still need answers for, and a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, when there's another group of 1,000 new startups or whatever, people in the business, they're going to have those same questions. So I think the group has uh, a potential to be here for the long haul. The real question, I think, is more not does it stay around, right? I think it's how big does it get? And at what point, right, does it actually make change? And just so Andy knows, we, we have the uh, Restoration Rebels mission up on the up, up on screen right now. Um, a united family of viable and vibrant restoration professionals operating in, environment, in an environment of shared prosperity and self-determination. I'll come back to the strategy and the mission in a minute, but um, I also wanted to just kind of lay out a little better for me and maybe listeners. Okay. You've got the Yahoo group, which is, I'm sorry, Facebook group. <laughs> now you're dating yourself. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not real, real good with these new things, but I'm, I'm getting there. Um, you got the Facebook group, 2,500 people, but I, before the show we were talking and, and you guys are also doing an annual event. Uh, just, just one. Is that accurate? Maybe tell us a little more about that. Well, we've done two now. Uh, the first one was in my hometown of, of Bend because I didn't know who was going to show up and I didn't want to fly anywhere and spend a lot of money. So I said, if we're going to get together, you're going to come to me. Uh, so last September, 43 people did come to me. We came together and, and realized that, hey, we're, this might be something real. Uh, two weeks ago, we had 100 and, what, what, Joe, 185 people in Nashville, Tennessee. Well, I think plus the vendors and sponsors, right? Well, not including, yeah, vendors and sponsors. And and so we quadrupled the size of that event in six months. And and that was all just a reaction of people saying, when are we going to do this again? When can we get together again? And people left Nashville with their hair on fire. I, I felt like they're just, this is, this is something... I don't know how many times I heard it. This is something that I've never seen before. I've never seen this before. I'm a, I'm a part of all these other groups and I've never seen this before. That told me coming away from Nashville that we have, now we have a, we have an edict. We, we have a directive 
to continue this thing, to make it bigger and, and more influential uh, going forward. Well, that kind of leads me into the next question Cliff had put together here about the, the group's governance. Um, and then along with that, obviously, you know, I, I would imagine you charge something, but maybe not uh, for this event. And how does that all work? Do you uh, then put that money back into the Restoration Rebels? Do you have any paid staff? Maybe tell listeners a little more about how that works, because this is an interesting, just from my perspective, it's, it's a very interesting look at how the younger guys coming up, the younger guys and girls coming into the into the industry are organizing a little differently than we have in the past using the new tools that are available today. And it's very interesting and obviously pretty powerful. You've got, you know, 2,400, 2,500 people on this uh, Facebook yeah. uh, group. So and, what's the... Yeah, what, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the first part on that. So, um, you know, the, the to answer the first part of that, Joe, the leadership or the organization, if you will, uh, what we've determined is there's uh, four leaders uh, of our group, myself, Andy McCabe, Jonathan Grubb, and uh, Clark Brown. And um, the way that we became leaders was uh, just a long list of what level of commitment can you make? What level of background can you bring? Um, where's your heart at? Where's your intent at? You know, kind of a conversation. And it started with a lot of people and it's kind of got dwindled into what that is today. Um, we're establishing um, separate levels of admin uh, management and moderators for the Facebook page, people to help participate on different tasks. Um, and then from an event standpoint, um, yeah, we charged for the event. And, uh, you know, upon the completion of it, uh, it was not a profit center for us. Um, uh, hopefully next year uh, we'll be able to maybe do a little bit better on the profit side. But our intents were to uh, to have the event and be able to have a little uh, – a little money to keep the organization moving forward, right? Keep the opportunities, keep some of the legalities um, starting to be collect, you know, collected. Um, and it's 100% run by volunteers. So there is no paid staff. Uh, nobody takes a penny whatsoever. Um, and that's what's really interesting and powerful about it because it is genuine. It's what's happened is we've collected and created a space where other industries professionals can come in and give a lot of knowledge for free. Like, listen, Cliff, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, like I would have given anything in my life to be a part of this group to learn what I, I these guys are exposed to today now in this group versus learning it the hard way, right? Like I can't even tell you how many jobs I deodorized wrong, right? Before I actually learned how to deodorize. And these guys had the opportunity to learn it from day one. And that's the power of what it is. And we don't charge for that, right? Like that's, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's, it's a knowledge base. And because of that, the return is people want to volunteer. People want to participate. People want to help grow this uh, in that direction. So, um, and as we sit today, the leadership team is evolving um, to uh, systems and processes and protocols. And at some point, yes, there will be admin and, and staff that's going to have to run and, and manage a lot of the logistics. But we've been able to take this from zero to 2,500 and have true alliance, right, and connection and organization with volunteers. And yeah, well, the tough the tough comparison is trying to take what 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 the rebels is and what the alliance is and compare it to something like the RIA or ASCR. It's it these are those are ASCR RIA. They've been around for fifty plus years. They they have a lot of history, a lot of organization. They have big machines behind them. But they, were, they also weren't started in the Internet age. 
So trying to compare, well, what are you guys now? Well, we don't know yet. We just, we're just brand new babies in this thing. Uh, but we have given folks access in a way that people don't ha haven't, haven't had access to information and mentorship ever before because of technology. And it, will this be a not, you know, when, when you start to hire admin, et cetera, will, do you, is the vision that it would be a not-for-profit type of? Uh, no. no. No, there's, there's enough non-for-profits out there. There's, uh, we don't, I don't have any desire to start an educational arm and become an RIA or an IICRC. Um, there's, there's enough, there's enough places for folks that want to be part of a non-profit in that way uh, that exists already. I'm not going to reinvent that wheel. Well, you got to have some governing structure, though. Will it be a for-profit? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. it would be a corporation, for sure. I see. I see. Okay, great. You um, know, the, 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 I just have one suggestion. You know, right. as, the, as the oldest guy in the room, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that, that happens historically is that, you know, those that, you know, don't learn history are bound to – repeat past mistakes i think we need to have absolutely a, we need to have a conversation and uh perhaps maybe four people me you and a guy named pete Consigli. and uh between the two I'd of us we, we've got you know 40 plus years of what's happened in this industry what's worked what what hasn't worked and i i think i have a, i think i have the solution for you but i'm just not sure um you know, I'm just not sure that you would agree that that that, that is the solution, but um, I, I think that I have. I'm I'm all ears. Uh, we I I think I've said it more than once in more than one of my videos. I have the distinct pleasure of making this up as I go along. Right. Well, the, there the, are no rules. I, yeah, and Cliff, I, yeah, I, Cliff you have to remember, like we're we're learning as we go. We're restorers, not uh, not. Uh, yeah, we're business owners too, but we're not we're not organization. Yeah, we're makers, right? not. <laughs> no, I, 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 no I, I understood none of us were, but but what I'm saying is that you know historically, you know what's happened is there's just a lot of there's just a lot of organizational experience out there that was learned as you were. We were cleaners first, and then yes. for one reason or another, you get yes. on a committee and yeah, you we love that conversation. And uh, yes. I, I think we could help you. Uh, a lot, and I'm going to give you the I'm going to give you the answer now, and, and I think you need to do some research on it. But the answer is to form what's called a cooperative, and if you do some research on it, you'll see that uh, it has many many uh, positive things and very few negative things. And uh, you know, just do some research, do your homework, and I'd be glad to. You know, to, to talk to you about it and, and just provide you the guidance in terms of the event, in terms of the event situation. I'm going to tell you hire an event planner. Yeah, yeah. tell me about it. I'll tell you. Hire, hire that lesson. No, no, <laughs> Thank I'm, you. I'm telling you hire, hire hire an event planner. And you know what happens is people think they can do it. And I remember uh, RIA or ASCR getting their clock cleaned mm. when, when they. You know, they lost seventy thousand dollars on an event in in, Cal Oof. in California. So wow. all I'm saying is, hire an event planner. Uh, they will more than cover the cost because they know how to negotiate. Uh, you know, these, these yes, contracts. yeah. That that was a, another in a long list of things I will not try to do myself again. <laughs> yeah, it's seventy seventy dollar uh, gallon coffee. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. 
what what's the driving issue that brings your group members together? What, right now, today, yes. Oh, it's 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 third party administrators. It's um, it's the 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 wrestling of control and and deter- self determination away from the folks that should have it. And uh, I walked I walked away from the RAA TPA event last year with the distinct knowledge that TPAs sell contractors to insurance companies. TPAs need contractors to sell coverage to insurance companies, but contractors pay for the whole shooting match. And that, that's, that's not right. And how do you see that ever going away? I mean, I don't, I don't know that the TPAs are going away. Um, I think they are. I think they I think are there, Joe. I mean, they, at the end of the day, they're going. They are going to go away for one several one simple reason first, and that's just the evolution of the business, right? Like it is going to change. It's but value. More importantly, but more importantly, though, the whole entire insurance industry is going to change via algorithms, yeah. right? We already see yeah. ins- insurance companies like Lemonade coming in, who are just they're cutting the entire back end claims process right out. You know, so we're going to see that entire evolution. And that's why that's one of the powers of our group, because we're teaching these and we're talking to guys on how to get to your customer directly to get first first notice of loss. FNOL. And and that's and that's ultimately key. So I think that, you know, we're going to see some crazy changes. We're just trying to help these guys ride that curve because we see where it's potentially going. You've got to go get your own clients. You can't let somebody else do your your marketing or, or do the determination of you're going to get this much volume because we're going to find it for you. The restoration 2.0 contractor, he, had, he knows his target client. He goes after them aggressively and services them like no one else can. And TPAs can't do that. The value proposition is broken. They don't, they don't add anything to the process. They're, they're, they're actually detractors from the whole process. They extract value. They don't bring value. So a lot of different reasons why TPAs are just – just they're broken and i think they know it they just don't want to admit it yet i've got a text question from a listener and i want to do that and then we'll go to halftime they're asking to find the client to find the client all the the insured public a a homeowner the business owner uh the person that suffered the loss that's the client and that's i think it's a great question because that's key we've forgotten who that client is collectively we've forgotten We've turned the TPA and the carriers into our clients, which that's backwards. It's not the right way. Very good. Gentlemen, we'll be back. We're talking with the Restoration Rebels, and uh, it's been very interesting so far. Joe Ledbetter and Andy McCabe. We'll be back after we thank our sponsors. IAQ Radio would like to thank our association sponsors, the Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them, wolfsense.com. IAQ marquee sponsors are John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. That's J-O-N-D-O-N.com. 
Healthy Indoor Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions are available at HealthyIndoors.com. Particles Plus, engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring, instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. ParticlesPlus.com. Count on us. Okay, we're back. We've got Joe Ledbetter and Andy McCabe, the Restoration Rebels. Cliff, I want to turn it over to you to start the second half. Thanks, Joe. Um, I want to get back to, to, to something that both uh, Joe and, and Andy have talked about before, and it's profitability and restoring profitability and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, when Walmart was started, uh, he had a, a, a different concept, right? You know, Walton uh, decided he was going to work on a, on a lower margin than, than other people and yes, help consumers and save the money and, and so on and so forth. I, and I think in many ways there are certain companies in the restoration field that uh, may feel the same way. You know, I'm willing to be more efficient. I'm willing to uh, you know, to make a good living. I'm willing not to gouge people. I'm willing to give the insurance company uh, a savings based on economy of scale, uh, and so on and so forth. I was wondering if you guys could comment on that. Joe, you want to go first? I've, I've definitely yeah. got a mouthful yeah. on that one. Yeah, so um, we, we all definitely know who, uh, who the Walmart of our industry is, right? Let's no false illusions there. Um, nothing bad to say, but that's just the, their business model. Um, and I think it's great, but I do think that uh, one glove doesn't fit all. And I really do believe that the consumer, the insured, the customer, um, should have the ability to go to um, Sears or, um, you know, Marshalls or... Uh, Macy's, right? So it's not just about having that option uh, as a Walmart. Um, and I think that's really where the rest of our industry is at. And I think if you're in, a, if you're in the business, you're either, you're either trying to follow that Walmart model. Um, and we see a lot of guys doing that and, or you're trying to just um, give a better, maybe level of service and maybe a little bit uh, better quality. Um, and then, so you do find yourself sometimes in a price war, right? With, the insured or with the paying uh, financial parties. Um, but well, and I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. And, and I will say the fat has already been cut from this bone. We, we have cut the fat. We have become as an industry as efficient as I think we should have become. Secondly, I'm an insurance adjuster. I'm a licensed adjuster. I don't know if you guys knew that. I, I do insurance claims for both sides of this, this coin. And I know for a fact the insurance premiums were not written. You're not, you don't pay premiums so you can go get Home Depot quality flooring, right? You get the, you were you owed what you had in your house at the time. And not everyone has Home Depot Pergo in their house. So to say that we need to be cutting costs and, sh- and becoming the, the low cost vendor when people paying into the system are paying a premium cost. Uh, those two, we got to rectify those two statements. You know, I think you kind of answered this text question I've got here, which is how do you communicate? And now maybe not. How do you actually communicate the value of spending more to the client? How do you communicate? Oh, well that's, yeah, that's based on, yeah. Okay. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's education and knowledge, right? And that's demonstrating to the client, uh, 
through some common sense that, hey, I have to do X, then Y. And they start to understand that when you're looking at two different uh, bills or scopes or estimates, they're like, oh, well, of course you have to do X to get to Y. Or, and they start to understand those things, right? Um, it's really just being transparent. And I think that's where our industry failed, right? Because people stopped giving their customers full transparency, meaning, you know, Walmart's never gave you that big breakdown of what actually happened, right? And the, and the independent guy says, here's, here's exactly what we just did to the T. And I think that level of transparency gains trust with customers. So it makes it, and it makes the proposition of value that much easier. Right. So you, you, you do things like show people, here's your material allowance. Here's what, here's what my pricing machine called Xactimate says your material allowance should be. We don't hide that. We don't try to get them to choose a lower cost material so we can make a little bit more margin, which is, by the way, that's the business model of a lot of people out there because they have to make their margin somehow. But you've got to be 100% transparent. Like, it's, it's in our values. It's in our, one of our, our commitments. I will practice incredible transparency. Part of that transparency is this is, the, this is the estimate that I have, and this is the detail of that estimate. Here is the value, um, or here is the values of these materials that you can go shop with. And guess what? If you don't spend that, who gets that? I don't keep that. You, we give it back to you. You can have that as a credit. We can do some more work you know, or, or, or you know, anything. But for the longest time, we have, we have hidden things from our clients and we have not explained to them fully the claims, how the claims process works. And, and that is where the value comes in. When someone feels that they have been fully educated and they are fully empowered to make really good decisions, that's where they start seeing value. One of the things that you talked about was, was education. And, um, you know, we've heard this term artificial intelligence uh, a lot. And I think that there's a whole lot of artificial intelligence, too much of it, in the restoration industry. You have a bunch of technicians that have all gone to the same course, have all seen the same type of equipment. They've all gone to the flood house. They all know how to drive the flood house. That doesn't mean they can drive the house next door to the flood house or the house across the street <laughs> or, you know, or any other type of building. So, you know, what's happened is the whole thing has become really a, a commodity. You know, in the old days in restoration, you know, the big sales point to the insurance company was not how much I charged, but how much I saved. You know, the bottom line is, uh, they would pay me more money than they would pay my competitor to do a particular project and be able to justify it because we would save, you know, forever, you know, we would save 10, 15, 20, 50 times more than, than, than what they paid us. Yeah. So, or the homeowner or the business owner got back in quicker. Absolutely. They, they ALE. I mean, absolutely. Right. And it was up so, to me, you know, it was up to me if I wanted to invest in bigger dehumidifiers so I could dry yeah. it faster you know, rather than have someone tell me how many pieces of equipment and where they have to go and how long they have to be there. And Cliff, and Cliff, to that point, so our, our version of that, right, or at least our, our look at that is we all understand that over 50% of the cost of the claim is on the back end that we don't even see as restorers or contractors. It's in the claims management piece. And so we have a mindset that if we can, if we can remove the friction, right, the challenges that we have between contractor and carrier, that guess what? We can shorten the claims cycle because there's only one thing that a carrier can measure, and that's time. There's not a single other matrix that an insurance carrier can measure. 
So if we can reduce the time of the claim by just being transparent, hey, this is what it is. Can we just finish, right? Um, and settle this claim and not fight over this nonsense or not have to jump through hoops and drag it out, that we reduce the overall back-end cost of the claim. So the value proposition to the carrier today isn't, hey, listen, I can save this wood or I can save this floor. No, no, it's listen, if we can understand and communicate together cohesively without a bunch of artificial roadblocks, we can actually reduce the overall claim cost. And I, if, if I'm the carrier, I want that conversation, right? Because that really helps my bottom line as a carrier. And ultimately, we just move these things forward. I, I got a text question I want to put out there for you guys. I think it's a good one. Um, okay, so restoration is a lot like 911. The first call goes to the policy holder who then dispatches the restore. How are you circumventing that line of communication if you agree that is the right line of communication or is the existing line of communication? Uh, how, how do we propose that folks interrupt the usual, um, I have a loss, I'm going to call my carrier? Is that, that the crux of the question? I think so. Um, yeah. I mean, how do you let's see? The first call goes to the policyholder who then dispatches the restore. How are you? So, yeah, I mean, a lot of people, they have a loss. They call their insurance company. And as things have been more and more recently, the insurance company has their people they send out. Or um, how, do you, how do you get people to interrupt that and, and get them, you know, get, give them a chance at this call? A hundred, uh, a hundred different ways. Um, okay. But funny that, that that included the word 911 in it, because look at what 911 restoration's model is. They they do zero TPA work, right? They don't get dis dispatched by any carriers. They interrupt the the message stream wherever it was, pay-per-click advertising or whatever. They go direct to the consumer with to get that first notice of loss. So there's a hundred thousand different ways to go get first notice of loss. But the key is to concentrate on that um, instead of. Yeah, I think and what Andy was saying is my palm scores. Yeah, yeah. Andy's point is is very valid, right, it, guys? It's instead of focusing on your palm scores or focusing on what the the, the carrier is making you jump through in roadblocks, it's focus your effort on building that relationship with the end user. So to to circumvent that. It's not really circumventing it. There's always going to be a percentage of people that call their carrier, especially when the, the carrier model changes um, and the customers just get paid direct immediately. But at the end of the day, that's part of what our group is about. It's about giving these restorers other means to connect with Mrs. Jones before Mrs. Jones and, has a problem. And let's dispel the myth that all claims go through a TPA. Exactly. If you listen to Jerry Edel, uh, super, super genius guy, anywhere between, between the, 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 the retaining the number of the percentage of claims that any one carrier or TPA retains is anywhere anywhere from 25 to 75%. So let's call it 50%. That means only only half the claims that are out there are going through a TPA. That means there's half the claims out there that are on the free market, ready for people to go get in one way, shape, or form. And we could probably do a whole show on the answer to that question, but I think you guys have you know. <laughs> kind of summarized it pretty well for us here. Um, Cliff, let me turn it back to you. Thanks, Joe. Okay, let, let's go back uh, and uh, let's see. Joe, are you hearing that noise in the background? Interference too, Andy. I don't know. If, uh, Is that me? 
Uh, you try to muting me. Okay, we're going to mute Andy. We'll bring you back whenever we have a question for you. You know, one of my big concerns is, is what are you doing about the fire restoration side of the business? And I'd, a, like, that, I'd like to talk about that. Yeah, Cliff, listen, that's a great question. And you said something earlier uh, that basically industry was started with fire and that we just dropped it like a bad child, right? Like it, right. we've abandoned fire. There's still no, there's still not a single real true guideline and reference of how to, um, in my professional opinion. And I've done thousands of fires, commercial, residential. And I do believe that we need to do something about that, you know, and, and again, the power of this group, uh, the, the engagement, it, it's a simple conversation. We can start this with this group and say, who's doing fire? Where are your challenges within the process? And let's, let's identify a, a roadmap of actual execution. You know, there's a lot of voodoo science out there with odor deodorization. There's a lot of really cool technology that's just come out with, with removing hydrocarbons from surfaces. Um, and, and there is no standard. We need to create a standard. I don't know that we're the right group per se, but I think our hands-on engagement can help participate to an organization to help create a standard. But there needs to be one. There really does. You know, works for you now. I, I tend to be anti. I tend to be anti standards. Uh, I think that uh, having minimal standards is is okay. I'm really I'm really against prescriptive uh, standards. Actually, RIA has a. Uh, they've kind of put one together. It's, I think it's it's really an outline, but it goes about seventy five pages, and uh, it's pretty well done. You know, I think a lot of the information needs to be filled in. I think it's one of the things that RIA. Uh, is working on in terms of putting a standard together. You know, what scares me is the IICRC is also trying to put a standard together. And if they do, it'll be very much like uh, S500 and, uh, and and they'll get it wrong as they did with S500. I mean, S500 has been around since 95. I mean, I agree with that statement only to the fact that fires are very unique, much more unique than say waters are on a level, but we don't, what I was referring to is a set of guidelines, maybe standards isn't the right word. You had used that, but uh, guideline really is something that we need. There has to be a certain level of, Hey, I, I need to be, I need to have in a guideline that I can use these 72 different kinds of deodorization. I may not need them all right for a particular loss, but I may need access to all of them. It should be recognized. That I should be able to use all these methods. You know, things of that nature, which is really just training. But the challenge with fires, and, and Cliff, you should know, right? I mean, you go settle this claim with this adjuster, and they paid for this this service because you did it for deodorization. You go to the next one, and, and they don't pay for that. Well, okay, what does that mean? Like, this is what I had to use to, to deodorize. So I think we need some level of understanding uh, more than what we already have. Uh, but I agree, though. Like, you know, standardization uh, can be really polarizing. Every loss is different. Every Every scenario. Well, you know, the ISC are saying, you know, Marty King wrote a, uh, a, a document, uh, Fire Restoration Guidelines, along with a team of contributors, and actually it's pretty good, and it's, it's still used today. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, not that many people may be familiar with it, but it's, it's a pretty good document. And Actually, uh, a listener posted, uh, go up a little bit, John, on this. It's the NIDR document you're talking about, uh, or NIDR standard, Marty King? It's not a standard. It's uh, it's a guideline. Guideline. All right. Hey, let me um, – I want to go back to the uh, the mission. Put that up for me, John. And then, Cliff, while I'm doing that, you can figure out what your next uh, question is. But I had a question on your strategy here, gentlemen. Um, 
it was to empower restoration contractors to provide value without undue influence. That That's pretty easy to understand. Re- restore transparency to the claims process by educating and empowering the insured. That's pretty easy to understand. Uh, use the social and collaborative spaces to bring together formerly isolated parts. I, I like that. That's easy. Identify and promote emerging leaders. Obviously, you guys are doing that. I think it's great. And then with the mission being integrity and consistency, um, develop local restoration networks, promote rebel involvement in industry associations. I like that. And then create a process of public accountability for industry members who seek undue influence and personal gain. That last one is the one I'd like to kind of focus on a little bit more because in the past, that's been a problem. And it is in every industry to some degree. How are you coming along with creating a process of public accountability for industry members who seek undue influence and personal gain? Where, where are we? Where are we headed? Let's start with uh, Andy. Well, that is, that's the... That's the sticky one, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, I've I've uh, had uh, I've had my experiments over the last two years, really, with with holding people accountable in the court of public opinion, because that's the only court that I could actually hold. And um, we have these tools coming out. We've got Google reviews. We've got social media. Obviously, we have the we have a president who can tweet out anything at any moment uh, at a whim. Um, that that is a that is a kind of accountability, right? We haven't formalized what that accountability looks like, but we have we have experienced some of that inside of our group. There are things that have happened in our group, and and we have people have said, "Hey, this is not right. This is what happened," and and people have been called out. Um, have they been formally been held accountable? I don't. I don't know. That's that's the mechanics of something which we're still trying to figure out. But I think with the social media and the current technology environment we have, it's going to be very much easier to hold people accountable. And you, you, we could go way forward and start talking about blockchain and review processes and 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 things like that. But the future is we're going to be able to go back and look at somebody. And what they did for a very long time, years after they did it, and say, okay, is does this jive with what you've been saying all these years, or or have you done something that you need to be held accountable for? Um, those are, it's a sticky one. Or is this the the company that you want to do your work? Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and and I I just want to say, I. I have had I have said things about other organizations that that I shouldn't have, um, and that was me trying to make them be held accountable for something that probably I shouldn't have asked that. And uh, I think I've apologized for that publicly too. But I just want to say that there there's right and wrong ways to do that. Fair enough. Well said, Andy. Joe, do you want to add anything? Uh, well, to Andy's point, right? Like our goal is to help guys be accountable for their actions and, and the digital, the digital capture on a social media, on a review, that's really where, that's really where customers have, have the answer of faith in you. Right. Like yep. I can hold you accountable, but that doesn't mean anything to the person that's going to buy your service. 
But oh, yeah. I think ultimately the court of public opinion is what keeps these guys accountable. Yep. In the um, Cliff, do you want to jump in here? Or you want me to? No, I just think we we have a lot of chat going on on the side that's that's very very interesting, and you know, I think that you know some of the things that people are saying. If you can't see it, you know, what about using good science, best technology, and practices uh, as uh, the basis of the organization? You know, someone else has talked about you know that we need industry industry standards to uh, you know hold people accountable. I mean, there's probably not a person participating in this conversation either as a listener or as a participant that's had a car repaired after an accident where's the standard right okay do, 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 do i have something that tells me no i take it to the body shop i pay the people and I, I, the insurance company tells me what to do they tell me what they're going to pay they tell me not what they're going to pay they tell me who's going to fix it you know who's not going to fix it I- and, I have and, no desire to dis- develop any standards. Right. Uh, those those are somebody else's job. And the problem I see with the standards as they are, they were not they were generated with the insurance company in mind. And I think any standard needs to be generated with the technology and the science and the structure and the client in mind, with or without insurance company involvement. And I think we've had a hard time historically separating the claim process, the claim from the job. And then that's where I think we've gone wrong as an industry. Yeah, Guys. absolutely. We, we really have. And that's where there is a clear separation from claim and job. And that's what's allowed the TPAs and other people that really have no interest in anybody's uh, game to be in control and make decisions. That's a big problem. We've also got a few other nice comments on the chat. And what we'll do is we'll make a copy of this for you guys and send it to you. There's some things that I think maybe uh, you'd be interested in seeing that listeners mentioned here. But I want to go back to um, Joe. At the end of your bio, I kind of uh, helped put together here. Uh, It said that you're also one of the leaders and your role is to help build and grow the group through sharing knowledge and experience and helping develop the management and revenue opportunities for the group. Is that for the, the group or for the members of the group? Or, and uh, how do you plan on doing that? Well, what it's for is to help move this movement forward, right? So in order to be able to have traction and hold events, obviously there has to be some sort of uh, revenue streams, whether it be a membership, a due, a fee, um, a value exchange, et cetera. Um, so we have to create something that allows for uh, this to be supported financially, a war chest per se. Um, uh, regarding building up the leadership, um, we are in the process of doing that, right? So right now, because this is volunteer based, we are seeking other members in the group to participate um, on, on levels of execution and decision making. And um, and at some point, you know, uh, we're definitely going to be uh, looking to generate revenues. Right? And again, that could be from various different ways, but ultimately to continue to align restorers with the same mindset and fund the fund the knowledge. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, it takes, it takes a lot of time to manage a Facebook group. Well, before, and it, it, that goes to the point, it's just not, it's not a Facebook group anymore. It's, it's so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before you can exactly. start setting lofty goals and putting together business plans, you've got to have a revenue plan. And this, this has become a full-time job for me with no revenue, right? So that's, that's not a sustainable situation. So that's, 
that's what we're talking about is how do we, how do we generate revenue, stay pure in our intent, in our mission, uh, but still allow the machine to grow uh, into a real business with, with real revenue streams and real plans moving forward, not just next year, but 5, 10, 20 years out. I wanted to uh, quickly ask, as far as your group membership goes, uh, how many of them are international members? I noticed a few names, actually some pen- past uh, guests on IAQ Radio, Penny, uh, Trelaw, mm-hmm. uh, others. Um, how many international people do you have? A handful. Uh, we got a couple people in the UK, uh, six or seven. I don't know how many in Australia. Um, I, I, I think that these people just fell in and, and they grabbed hold of us and, and adopted us into their, into their ecosystems. And I think that goes to show that, that there's a, not just a United States common pain, but there's, it's, it's industry wide. There's, there's commonalities that, that we all can come together and solve in, in very innovative ways. What about Canada? Yeah. You have any members yeah. in Canada? Oh, so yeah. we do, and if I actually I have the I have the data up right now. So so we've got two hundred or twenty two hundred uh, members in the in the United States, and then the balance of them, so like another three hundred, uh, is from all over the world. Uh, with Australia leading the pack at fifty one members in Australia, forty seven oh, in wow. Canada, United <laughs> Kingdom at at nine, uh, and it goes down and down and down from there. But um, again, three hundred, so call it ten uh, percent of our members are out of the United States. Interesting. Okay. Cliff, let's wrap this up. Uh, Final questions. You know, the one thing that, you know, I looked at it in terms of going through the, uh, you know, going through some of the past posts and and, and so on and so forth. It almost in some ways looks as though it's a depository for complaint, you know, that people are bitching about this and people are bitching about that. And, And I don't know that that's really your intent that, that that's that you want to be the receptacle, you know, for, you know, for all of this uh, negativity, but um, it, it just seems that there, there's a lot of it there. I don't mean negative towards you personally or anything like sure. that. I just mean negatively, you know, towards the industry, the adjuster won't pay for that, or I can't fix this or, 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 or whatever. Well, and, I think you just disguise, d- describe the entire internet. Right. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in adjusters groups. Uh, I'm not loud in those groups because I don't want them to kick me out. Um, right. But uh, those, the same thing. We're, we're bitching about that. We're bitching about this. Uh, it's, it, that is a lot of what it's about. There's some catharsis there about coming to a place and saying those things. Uh, and and I, I would say that we have moved away from that. From the beginning last year, it was a whole. It was it was that that was all it was. Uh, I think we've become a little bit more constructive in our in our membership and our guidance of the conversations. Um, but we also need to understand that I can come to this group and say, hey, State Farm said this adjuster said they don't pay overhead and profit on cleaning, and then we're able to go into that. Yes, it's a little bit of a whine, but ma- mainly it's no. I they paid me overhead and profit last month. Here's a claim number. So that type of communication, I think we need to have. Uh, just yeah, be. Yeah, it's the internet. <laughs> There's going to yeah, be that. And Cliff, you know, to, to be honest with you, um, it may be perceived as a complaint, but so that's that's another part of why we're a little bit different, right? We have a different mindset. So it's not really viewed as a complaint. It's really viewed as a question. 
out of anger or frustration? And our goal is to answer that question. And that's where the culture of this group uh, really thrives. When you look at the engagement level, there's 100 posts a day. And each post, there's on average like 80 comments. When you look at that type of reaction, if you're a restorer today and you have a challenge, problem, issue, concern, and you put it on the thread, you know within two to three hours, you're going to have 20 to 30 real serious, solid answers. And that that's power that people just can't get anywhere else in our group. Yep. Yep. You know, I, 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 I don't disagree entirely, but I disagree partially. Sure. You know, in looking at this group and looking at, at other groups that, that, that are within the industry, there, there, oftentimes there's a question, and then there is a series of parroting something from an IICRC training course, or the instructor said this or whatever, and you just get it over and over and over and over and over. And, you know, what happens is what's wrong never gets corrected. You know, we keep okay. making the same mistakes and, and people just keep repeating it. You know, like, you know, ozone and water produces hydrogen peroxide or whatever. Well, Cliff, listen, to your point, 100%, <laughs> we would encourage someone with your background, your knowledge, your experience, right? To, to be a participant and what we would call an honorable admin in our group. And, and, and we want you to, to participate and help change those conversations from yesterday, from yesteryear, yeah. where they have been repeated, right? Or they're not the right thing. Uh, to chime in with some of your phenomenal expertise. Like we would encourage you to help us with that. Not, you know, if you have the time, right? Of course, but to answer that question, <laughs> like, like, like a, your knowledge base would yeah. be so beneficial to these guys. No, I, I told you, I would be glad to, you know, have a conversation with you. And yeah. uh, I, I think Pete and I could just based on our experience, we know where the mistakes are were made. And I think perhaps we can provide you the guidance to, you know, to, to get where you need to go. Yeah, you guys, you guys are legends in my mind. Uh, there's just no doubt, and I, I can't. I'm honored that you guys would reach out and, and actually have this conversation with with Ledbetter and me. Um, this has been awesome, cool. gentlemen. It's been a real pleasure having both of you. Is there anything before we go you'd like to add before we sign off? Let's start uh, with Andy. Uh, just, just reach out to folks in your market. Um, that's what it's been about from the beginning. Um, reach across the aisle. We, I don't believe in competition, and I, I stand by that statement every day. We are not in competition with each other. There's always enough work out there. Mother Nature is making sure of that. So let's, let's come together more. If you, if you don't want to be part of the Rebels, fine, but come together in one way, shape, or form, and, and that'll make us all better. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, one thing I would, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Joe. The only thing I would add is, is uh, we appreciate uh, you guys taking an interest and in, in learning more about what the, what the restoration rebels are um, and, and where we're going uh, with our organization. Um, all I would say is I would encourage anybody listening, watching this that's in the industry to come and participate. Come listen to the conversation. Come help in the conversation. And by the group of us, we can make a change that no one would ever see coming. Gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure. We uh, thank both of you for joining us and uh, look forward to following your progress as time goes on and hopefully doing another show down the road. This is Radio Joe Hughes saying thank you to Joe Ledbetter and Andy McCabe. Now we know a lot more about who the Restoration Rebels are and uh, look forward to working with them in, in the future and um, hopefully they'll be able to help fix some of these issues that are uh, uh, unfortunately cropping up, but 
it's in every industry, I guess. And uh, you guys are taking the bull by the horn using some of the new uh, techniques and new social media ways of, and I mentioned, you mentioned that blockchain. I'm, I'm very interested in that. Uh, down the road, we're going to have to talk a little more about that. I, I think that's a fascinating Let's do topic. it. All right. Let's well, do it. Joe, if I might, just, just uh, one final comment. Andy, where, is, is your um, video that started the whole thing, is, is, is that still up or is that still available? Where, where would I, you see that? You know, I've got 255 videos on YouTube on the Claims Delegates YouTube channel. I don't know which one it was, okay. actually. Would it be I, the first one? I don't. Like, Claims Claims delegates. Uh, I doubt it was the first one. Uh, the most the viewed. Cliff, just go to claims delegate and look for the most viewed, and that's it. Okay, Great. most viewed. Okay, gentlemen, thanks again. Oh, you, Ray, you saying thanks? Oh, by the way, hey, we're gonna keep pounding away on the restoration. You know, we 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 do indoor air quality. We do shows on restoration. We do shows on building science. Well, we got the the restoration lawyer. Um, Ed Cross, uh, right now, I haven't heard back that he's not coming, but I believe Ed will be here next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.